Welcome to How Rude, the exhaustive deconstruction of the classic 2004 film, New York Minute. What? What? Commit? The Muppets of Tonight? <laughs> my name is John Pernasek, and to my immediate left is my buddy. What is his name, I Professional wonder? Professional co-host, Brandon Shockney. Watch out, girls. He's gonna litigate your asses. Mmm, yummy juices. Mm, yep, whoops, whoa. <laughs> whoa, gross. Whoa. Happy Labor Day. This is a non-traditional episode. This is another, our second supplemental yeah. episode. We like to be edgy. Yeah, <laughs> how is this edgy? We're on our tummies. We're not even sitting at the usual table. Can you just stop calling it tummies? No, I won't. You insisted. S- you stomachs. insisted. We've had two ginger beers apiece and a medium pizza apiece. And you insisted, do we have to sit at the table and the, and the books that have the microphone underneath? Can we just be at our tummies? <laughs> just put the computer where I am. You're so much more comfortable. Admit it. Dee, dee, dee. Yeah. We, might have, we might have to do this all the time, I said. No. Now, keep in mind, while we were watching the non-hit 2004 film New York Minute starring Mary-Kate Olsen and Ashley Olsen, Brandon was wearing a pair of socks that I would only describe as bachelorific in that they were ragged as fuck, no heels. I changed them, okay? And by changed them, you threw them away in favor of a pair that had heels. Right. How long do you think you'd had that pair of socks? I don't know. Why? A couple years. Oh, a couple years? Why did you you keep those socks Um, for so long? I don't have a lot of, like, socks that are just, like, ankle length, you know? And when something works, you feel like you should stick with if it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the thing is, they were broke. <laughs> That's the thing. The socks were inherently broke. That's like saying, oh, this pair of shoes I have, <laughs> there are, there's no toe. My toes are sticking out, but they still work, Yeah, quote I don't unquote. follow your logic, so. Oh, goodness. This is a bonus. Agree to disagree, I guess. Supplemental episode for you diehard fans out there. Well, I, I can't even really be sure how many people have seen this film. I, I Don't watch it. Don't I'll watch tell you that it right now. I, I think, you're, Brandon, I think you're a little bit too to the side of the mic. Let's get you a little bit. It's more not in here. good enough. It's not bad enough to be good enough to recommend. It's not bad enough to be good enough to recommend. Yeah. There's nothing so inherently funny about it, ironically. Right. That it could be seen as like a cult film or something that a group could enjoy. No. The only thing that's funny in a sense of like, oh my God, is that simple plan is like a plot point. And by a plot point, you mean like they are like an, they're this all encompassing presence. Yes. The, the movie is very 2004. And if you have never thought to yourself, I feel old or I feel like I am sort of behind the times where I come from an era that people would now think is funny because it's so long ago, watch this film and understand that if you were in high school around this time, this is no longer the world you live in and you're an old bag of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. It's better that way because 2004 from this movie looks like shit. 
Yeah, it I looks terrible. I don't want to live in that New York. A Simple Plan was like the big band in New York, apparently in this in this universe. The thing is, I don't even think I don't even think in two thousand four, Simple Plan was was even Simple Plan was on his way out in two thousand four. Well, I'm right, pretty sure. because why would they, why else would they agree to be in a Mary Kate Ashley Olsen vehicle? Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably needed some sort of potential bump. They needed to stay. You know, in some sort of Relevant. spotlight. And guess what? It didn't work. And it didn't work. There's a no. whole. Uh, okay, so let's just let's just break this down. Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen, they play sisters. I mean, are we shocked by this? Of course not. At least God. At least they're sisters that are like aware of each other's presence. Right. I'm sure that's a. I'm sure that's a gimmick in many a direct-to-video Mary Kay Olsen. Like, I have a twin. Yeah, yeah, I have a twin, or we've been separated for a very long time. But they always have to be estranged. Always. I feel like I can't I can't imagine there's a single movie where they actually get along from the top of the film. Because in every Mary Kate Ashley Olsen vehicle, they make they go out of their way to be like they're different. Right. These two girls, they're twins, but that doesn't mean they're the same. Well, because I think they they honestly will think audiences will be confused. They're right. like, Well, I, I don't know. They were fine, I guess, but I couldn't tell either one of them apart. Well, and when they were kids, I've made this joke before, uh, but when they, when they were little and they would be in these sort of direct-to-video things, they would say that one of them liked sports and one of them liked boys and, like, being pretty. So it was always that juxtaposition. In this movie, which is supposed to be, I assume, their major foray into being adults, mm-hmm. into being major Hollywood actresses, mm-hmm. the differences are here that one of them is a, yeah she's a pretty girl she's a, she's a you know very feminine traditionally feminine person but she's also like a neat freak she's goal oriented she's goal oriented she has she's, a day planner she uh, has a scholarship she's like going places she has aspirations to be like the president she has aspirations to get a scholarship from Oxford it's a fellowship really mm-hmm. and that's her whole plot she's got to go make this speech at a fellowship audition basically and then meanwhile so that's mary kate olsen that's ashley olsen ashley Ashley olsen is jane who is the the neat freak who has like this crazy the the movie opens on this crazy dream sequence that her character's having i would have never expected this movie to start with such a stylized sequence it's so weird it starts like inside a giant clock where you're like watching the gears and the hands move and then Ashley Olsen like appears inside of the clock and she's running around in a fret in a frenzy and there's like characters that I think are going to pr- like come up in the movie yeah she's running down this like Tim Burton like Wonderland hallway that I think itself has a clock motif and it's sort of medical asylum white mm-hmm. and these characters keep popping out going I hope you're not late Miss Ryan I hope your speech is good Miss Ryan that's where half of the movie's budget went into that it dream sequence she shows up in front of the audience and she's naked of course because they're all laughing at her <laughs> oh jane ryan you'll never get into oxford oxford, oxford. Mm-hmm. she wakes up out of this crazy sequence and we see the two bedrooms of the girls mm-hmm. so we've got we've already explained jane a lot right jane is so so much of an ocd motherfucker she puts down two toilet seat protectors on her own personal bathroom Do people actually use this? I have never used one. I'm very much still a believer in putting down toilet paper. Like, manually. I do that. You know what I'm talking about? You you create a layer of toilet paper on the on the seat. Yes. When you sit down, does it shift at all, or does it stay in place once your big butt is down there? You gotta put it down, and then you gotta make sure you, like, sit down 
right really, like really fast <laughs> so you know that there's no like shift in movement so the wind happening between your butt and the seat doesn't go right whoosh. right okay i practiced it for over many years and it's years. because and you feel no you feel like toilet seats are dirty enough to public to ones worn in. yes like at work? Now, what about at work? Is that is that yes, the same thing? Yes, I do it at work too, yeah. Anywhere, anywhere that's not my own personal bathroom that I clean, yes. What's crazy to me is that I Ashley's, don't use those. Ashley's character uses it on her own toilet. She uses two. She's got a dispenser. Like from a real restroom in the public, she's got one of those enormous wall-mounted boxes with, with fucking toilet paper protectors. But really, this is just foreshadowing for the awful scene that happens later on in the movie. Uh, well, let's just talk about it now. So, yeah, the, the, the fallout of that gag is when they're actually in New York proper, the movie begins with them in the suburbs, and they have to sort of travel into the city. And that's takes a whole... Takes them forever. Takes them forever. It's a whole chunk of the film. But once they're in the city, they stop at a gas station, they, uh, and she desperately needs to use the restroom because, A, I think she has to use the bathroom, but oh, she's, like, covered in she's a homeless man's Slurpee and a taxi or some such thing splash water on them. It was, like, an alcoholic Slurpee. Oh, yeah, they, they did that make joke. that distinction. So she puts down toilet paper on this rank-ass Eli Roth hostile bathroom toilet. Mm-hmm. And when she sits on the seat, she falls in mm-hmm. to the toilet. Slippery. That doesn't make any sense. Is her butt the size of a novel? You've seen Mary-Kate and Ashley, right? Their butts are... Very, I guess they are small. Thing. They're slight. They're slight. They have little tiny butts Zip. as opposed to a Brandon butt. Zip. I like uh, Brandon's butts. It's called a real big. Butt. It's called a bubble butt. That bubble. Hey, ladies, you want to take pop a seat? Pop that bubble. You you know when you say pop that bubble, it just sounds like you want to get fucked in the butt, right? <laughs> hey, ladies, put on a penis. <laughs> Fuck that bubble. <laughs> what about Roxy Ryan? So that's that is the Mary Kate character. She likes to rock. She likes rock and roll, man. Cool music, like Simple Plan. <laughs> and I bet she likes. Um, uh, good Charlotte. Plain White Tees. And Newfound Glory. Oh, my God. Well, Jason Mraz. I did. Jason Mraz, he closes out the movie. Is that rock and roll? Do you think Roxy likes Jason Mraz? No. I got my hand in my pocket and a hat on my head. And I'm walking down the street thinking <laughs> when I'll be dead. <laughs> I'm Jason Mraz and my T-shirt is pink. I'm going to the bar and I'll have myself a drink. <laughs> this is rock and roll music as it was meant to be. And if you don't like it, then I will be on your face. <laughs> oh, I'm man. Jason Mraz. I'm 38, 40,000 years old. <laughs> Um, yeah, she likes rock and roll. She's dirty. She eats junk food. And she's a fucking layabout. She doesn't have goals, man. Yeah. She just wants to go to the Simple Plan music video shoot. So she can promote her local band's demo? They have a demo CD or a full album. She's on the... <laughs> she's a drummer. She, she's the drummer. But when she goes to... <laughs> Her manager's house. Her manager is played by this, again, 2004, keep in mind, Jack Osborne plays the band's manager. The son of Ozzy Osborne. Uh, <laughs> we might need that distinction because it's been a while. What was their name of their, uh, it's just the, the Osbournes. Osbournes. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there was like a Tony Bennett cover of an Ozzy Osbourne song for the theme. Yeah. Guess what Jack Osborne is not? He's not charismatic. He's not a natural... Delivery man of lines. He's not an actor. <laughs> no, he's not an actor. He he's not as horrible as I guess he could have been, but he's right. very stiff. And he gives her these CDs, and he's like, "Go to the Simple Plan concert, and you'll see a bunch of these dorky white men in suits." 
and just give them the CD. And she's on it. Like, her face is on the CD, and he's like, well, you're the hottest person in the band. Yeah, she's the face of the band. Who? What's their name? I have no clue. I can't remember at all. I don't think we ever got it. At the end of the movie, they're singing a song in a recording studio. And it's bad. And they're they're singing like, hey, man, I'm going on vacation. Hey, man. And you just hear, like, Mary Kate on the drums going, hey, man. Yeah, you need to get into this hey, mic, man. man. <laughs> Hey, man. <laughs> it's the worst. It's really bad. So, yeah, those are the two arcs. We have we have Ashley Olsen as Jane Ryan. She wants to go to Oxford. And she hopefully get... by the end of the movie, she'll loosen up. <laughs> you can be on your tummy, but you can't have your mouth facing the carpet. Hopefully she'll loosen Sit up. up. And Sit up. I know uh, your arms are tired, but this, uh, just think of this as, like, part of a workout. I'm running a half marathon tomorrow, folks. Oh, God. If you want to donate, send PayPal. <laughs> send PayPal. To... Send, pay, send send PayPal to send PayPal to howrude at tumblr.com No, that's not what it send is it. at all. Send it there. That's not what it send is it there. at all. Send any electronic money. Stop there. making your teeth clack. And it'll find its way to me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm running lots of miles. Stop. That's gross. <laughs> so let's break down the rest of this cast. We've right. got the one and only, the estimable. The wonderful, and I'm not joking. Like National I think treasure. he is a treasure. I like Eugene Levy a lot <laughs> because he's done a lot of fantastic. He's in all the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. He's very funny, and he's a great improviser. This is not every person that I respect who's in this movie. It's shocking to me it, it, that they're in this movie, but it proves that you can't stop working. I, well, you yeah. can't stop working. Well, I think Eugene Levy. This is around the time, probably after American Pie Two, uh, where he was kind of just. Floating, floating around. He made all the American Pie video sequels, too. I think yeah. he appeared in a lot of those. Yeah. But he's playing a character named Max Lomax. He's this obsessive truant officer who has been trying to arrest or track down Roxy Ryan for, quote, years. Years. He lives in an apartment that is one room, and it looks like a detective agency. All of his, all of his sound cues when he appears on camera are these, like... Film noir-esque. Yeah, like... Fucking jazz. That classic. He's got in his in his like apartment. He has, or is it his apartment or his office? It's his apartment because the landlord appears at the door and he's like, "Pay your rent, you maniac." He has like this giant corkboard with like articles. This this is the most inexplicable thing. There are articles pinned to the corkboard with Roxy Ryan's face on in, in like a newspaper clipped out article that's like Roxy Ryan eludes Lomax eludes Lomax as if yet again yeah as if as if the what the media is covering this right that there's been this long like cat and mouse game that the, the joke is that he's supposed to be a loser nobody knows he wants to be a real cop and he thinks if he can catch Roxy Ryan the biggest truant target in the world that they'll make him a real cop so the, the movie doesn't go like goofy or cartoony enough for us to forgive oh, I think it's cartoony as enough no, for us to forgive like or to understand that Oh, that's just a gag that the the article, that's not real life. With the rest of the movie, it kind of conflicts with that. So I feel like, are there actual articles? It makes me wonder, did someone actually type up that article? Well, he has a chalkboard in that apartment that he's written the phrase, I will catch Roxy Ryan about 13 times. Like a fucking maniac. And they don't, so, so again, not taking the gag far enough, literally they've only written it maybe seven times on the chalkboard. The point of that kind of gag is you should see it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. It should be so small that he really does come off as the broadest 
craziest person. But I think then it would go into this crazy territory, and it already kind of does, that he's, like, hunting this, like, 16, 17-year-old girl. This, like... There's, yeah, they're supposed four, to be seniors four, in high 50-year-old man is, like, hunting this girl, which is creepy. Well, and what's so crazy is, so the Olsons, they have a dad in the film. Their mother is dead, as they say about a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mom's dead. Ashley Olsen's character is trying to take care of the family and look out for everyone because she wants to be mom's replacement because Roxy is just so irresponsible. The dad in this movie, first of all, looks like he's maybe uh, seven years older than they are. But he's got a white hair, so he's got he's got a white hair. Therefore, <laughs> he's got white fatherhood. Hair. Yeah, he's like a doctor. But it, honestly, the first moment he showed up, I thought he was just like their sugar daddy, like this creepy older man who's like living with them. Oh, so here's my point. He says to Roxy, I'm going to send you to Mary Catherine's sister of the chastity belt school. And I'm like, they're seniors in high school, dad. She's 17, about to turn 18. Where are you going to send her again? Oh, a reform school for girls? They're not 14 years old. Right. They're about to be out She's of gonna high school. She's going to be like, later, I'm going to go move to the city where I can snort get cocaine. fucked off of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get fucked off dicks. Yeah. Roxy's going to end up in the wrong crowd for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, not at the end of it because she loves her sister and she finds out that family is important, baby. And they're all going to London. They're all, all they at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, everyone decides to go to London. I mean, it's one thing for Jane to go to go to Oxford, but the love interests transfer schools or tag along with the band. Well, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, the band gets like a tour in London. Based uh, on what? Did those creepy older men be like, we, lo- when, we love when she sound. When she hands him the CD at the Simple Plan shoot, he literally says, oh, I like the packaging. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at this. Are you kidding me? That's all it takes, man. They just, no. There's some sick, gross shit going on. That's all it takes. You want to know how to break into the music industry? Go to a concert. No, it's not a real concert. It's a simple plan music video shoot. Find those. Go to New York. Find a music video shoot. Hand people your CD. Make sure there's a pretty girl on it. Famous, 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 famous. Let's talk about Andy Richter. So, poor Andy Richter. He's done so well for himself, and I don't think... He should be embarrassed by this necessarily. Are you sure? Well, but like because of the fact that he has made such a clear career for himself that, yes, this is a weird hiccup. And this is clearly something he needed to do to either get some fast money or just keep it. That's the thing. I think he's just working in this. I think he just took the role because he needed to. But I don't know who to blame for his choices. I Either the script called for them from day one or he decided that this was going to be a funny choice. He plays a character named Benny Bang. <sighs> He's adopted. He's been adopted into this piracy Chinese gang family. This underground. They make they, they make pirated movies. Movies like, you know, Final Recourse, but, but <laughs> which they, is a real movie they, in this they universe. Make, they make pirated movies, but they're also like, it's implied that they're fucking killers. They are like murderers who... Andy Richter is supposed to be a hitman. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. They should have gone. They should have gone even further. Not done like, oh, they pirate movies because people that pirate movies don't kill people. Well, um, yeah. They they should have been like yakuza. Like we should have gone balls to the wall like crazy. Again, they wanted to go there, but it's a PG film, so 
you know, they can't. Is it really? I think it's got to be PG. There's no way this is PG-13 at all. No, there's nothing. There is no cussing. There is no, there's innuendo. You're right. It's PG. Well, yeah, you actually thought it was PG-13? Yes. Okay, what are you doing? Are you not going to be on your tum anymore? No, I'm on my tum. You look like you're about to take a girl from behind. <laughs> like, you're on all fours now, like some sort of weird dog. This is a horrible way to record going. the podcast. Just keep going. Andy Richter's choice is he's an, so he's adopted by this Chinese family. So he decides, oh, I'm sorry, Brandon. Do you need to walk away from the mic entirely to do something? Oh, I see. You're getting a pillow. Because you want to be on your tummy, but your elbows Ooh, that's, hurt. That's so much better. Oh, is it luxurious? Mm-hmm. Well, I want a pillow. Go get one. I'll, I'll see. I, cover? I, can, I can keep the podcast going. Do you have anything leaves. in your fridge that I can drink? It is no. so it's so hot I can't in here. I'm so about thirsty. This right now. I don't care. It's just a supplemental episode. <laughs> People cool. Just a supplemental episode. Hey, hey, folks. That's what that's a John Pernicek's level of hey. commitment to your entertainment. Is I brought today. all the equipment over. I'm putting in the time, baby. Andy Richter decides that he's going to do a Chinese accent. Yep, it's so and terrible. Let me. Go go get your pillow while I talk about this. Okay. Um. So uh, she's gonna go get my pillow. <laughs> so at my first, pillow. at first it seems a little. Uh, which one do I want? <laughs> yeah, that one's too small. This one's not big enough. I hate this. This one's just right. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Mm-hmm. You couldn't give up the mic for a second. <laughs> All right. No, but um. What I was going to say was, what's confusing about Andy Richter's choice is, is that he, at first you don't understand what he's doing. I didn't get what it was at first. I did he, not think it was Asian that he was doing. It t- yeah, it took me a, a half second, too, but he's speaking in broken English, too. He's saying things like, oh, pretty lady, no like. What you doing, pretty girl? Right. It's so awful. So, and, and, and we've already confirmed that this is... This is a choice that he actively makes because he talks to his mom on the phone and he's doing this whole shtick and his mother's like, stop talking like that. You don't have an accent. And then he switches to regular Andy Richter going, sorry, ma. And I thought that meant he was going to just talk normally for the rest of the movie. No. But no. He goes right back to it and never goes back to an English accent. Which is crazy. It's like... An American accent, I so, should say. So, with, for the choice for the character is he, like, actively thinks this is okay for him to do. Anyway. Uh, it's put, embarrassing. It's painful. He's not funny at it. No. It, it's just not a funny performance. To put all this into context... There's um, a lot going on in this film. So, Mary-Kate and Ashley end up, because of their separate commitments the concert and the speech they have to it's take a video a, shoot not a concert oh, i'm sorry whatever <laughs> um it's a live concert that they are videoing for a music video it is a concert there's a crowd well yeah but they're shooting a video at the concert <laughs> no the video's concept is that it is a concert but they're gonna have oh, to like retake Lord. that one song that's how a video works. It's not a traditional concert. Anyway, um, so they're on the train from the suburbs going into the city. And they run into none other than SNL alum Daryl Hammond, who is... Now, I gave Andy Richter a pass. I don't feel bad for Andy Richter because I think he has more than made a life for himself. Daryl Hammond in this seems to be actively... Something seems wrong. I think he comes off as a little bit... well, upset. Seems, it seems like they dialed him back. Like it was like they didn't let him kind of be funny or do no. his thing. They were just like, 
Daryl Hammond just be annoyed by these women that are ruining your life. All he can do is play this straight guy who keeps running into them throughout the movie and they spill coffee on him. He winds up in the back of a taxi that they're driving and he's getting thrown around as they drive like crazy people. None of it is funny. Mm -hmm. And he winds up being, at the end of the film, one of the people on the fellowship committee. Right, one of the people that, like, I guess, elects who gets the fellowship. And he chooses he chooses Jane Ryan immediately after the whole finale of the film is done. Mm-hmm. To sort of wrap that, that whole plot up, mm-hmm. she drops her speech on stage. Like, the speech gets dropped on stage. Well, I'm not even going to get into all of the wackiness that ensues. But he just picks up these cards and he goes, well, this is a good speech. I can imagine you reading this speech out right. loud. The, the writers were like, when they were writing this movie, were like, we can't come up with a speech that is good enough to warrant winning a fellowship. No one could. We have to work it into the plot to where it's just implied that this speech is so good that it cements this fellowship for her. Yeah. And they literally are just like, I read this off screen and it was amazing yeah the best speech I've ever heard the the, the film can't even be bothered to give us the speech because the finale of the film is this insane clusterfuck it's like the finale of a bad musical from the 1920s where every character that you've met over the last 90 minutes Mm -hmm. just shows up at this auditorium on stage with people who are trying to give speeches for a fellowship. The Asian family shows up with their hitmen and and fucking Andy Richter. Eugene Levy shows up. It's insane. It's the second time that happens in the movie, too. There's a similar situation that happens because the two main set pieces for the movie, the two main events that they're like going to New York for, which is the, the uh, music video shoot and the speech. So in the middle of the movie, we have the music video shoot. And at that point, getting to that place, I honestly thought we were near the end of the movie. And when you said that, I thought, oh, that makes sense. It didn't, if you had asked me in hindsight if that had felt like 90 minutes, I would have been like, no, but maybe that it moved faster than we thought. But no, it, it's, it's such a shitty way to structure a movie mm-hmm. to have these two events. It really shouldn't have been like that. I, I don't. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to fix the movie or anything like that. I know we've done that in the past, but at 45 minutes, it seems like the movie's over. Right, and it's just not. Well, because those two events should have happened at the same time. I think something, and they should have been dealing with their. The simple play music video should have been next door to the <laughs> fellowship speech presentation. And I think that the two should have smashed together. I made the joke at the end of the movie when everybody's on stage during this speech competition. I was like, why isn't a simple plan walking into the back of the auditorium going, oh, we like this sort of thing. Like, we like to watch speeches (laughs) and learn about kids who are trying to make themselves in this world. So, I'm sorry, were you going to say something more about Daryl Hammond's character? No. uh, We can go back to that. That's good. Let's go back to that, though. I mean, he is just seem... He seems... We know he's a talented dude. Um, but he's an impressionist. Right. Everyone knows him, and he's famous for SNL because of his impressions. Yeah, and he's just doing himself. Yeah, in this, he's just, he's the straight man. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing less satisfying than having to play the guy in the scene who is just exhausted by the wackiness around him. They should have switched him and Andy Richter. You think so? I think Andy Richter would have done a better job playing the straight man that is, like, befuddled by these two 
girls. Yeah, because Andy Richter has this sort of teddy bear quality to where even if he's being befuddled, he doesn't come off as mean. We would have we would have felt more sorry for Andy Richter while we were laughing at him. Whereas Daryl Hammond, you're like, well, this guy's a dick. Yeah, so. you don't want to laugh at him. You don't want to feel bad for him. So, which is why it's such a weird thing at the end of the movie when he's like so nice, when Daryl Hammond's character is so nice to Ashley Olsen. It's like, oh no, you you should be you seems fucking pissed when they spilled coffee on you. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think Andy Richter would have just flip flopped those two actors. The, when Daryl Hammond gives her the fellowship at the end of that movie, that is just bug nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes no sense. And I, in that scene specifically, when he gives her the fellowship, he looks so bad on camera. They should be, he should have been upset by how this movie made him look. Why do we have makeup people and lighting people if at the end of the day, Daryl Hammond's nose is going to look like he is having some sort of fucking acne attack. And right. Andy Richter too. There are like shots of him close up where he has sunglass marks yeah. embedded in the fucking bridge of his nose. They yeah, look really bad. weird. Really weird. And they make Eugene Levy look bad, but almost on purpose. He's got this like huge bouffant haircut. Uh-huh. Andy Richter's character choice to do the Chinese accent that's not the only ethnic bullshit that we get in this movie. At one point, the girls come out of a sewer grate and they decide to go into. Big Sherl's House of Bling, which is a store that sells clothes and a salon. Yeah, it's like a beauty shop slash like Plato's Closet type thing, I think. Yeah. Is the vibe because there's the, the racks, racks of clothes, of clothes are, just are inches like, away from the salon chairs. Yeah. Which is crazy. a shitty way to structure your business. Yeah. They walk into this store. And it's like they've walked into the movie Car Wash. Every fucking black person in this scene is such a stereotype. <laughs> Big Sherl is like, oh, honey, what you doing? Sit down, girl. What was your hair? I got to give you a makeover. They give them free clothes, free hairstyles. Yeah, they find out. The, the girls are like, we've had a really rough day. We're white. And, and, <laughs> and then everyone in the, the salon is like, well, then... You, like fate blew you in here, so here we go. And then they, they make them. There's like a mon, weird montage where they try on a bunch of different outfits, and they just make Mary and Kate or Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen like dress up like they look like old school seventies funk. Yeah, like kind of dream girls, kind of prostitutes. It's weird. Their hair is like blown out to crazy proportions, mm-hmm. and then at the end they still look like weird. Siegfried and Roy assist. Siegfried and Roy assistants. Mm-hmm. They've got like these weird like carnival blazers <laughs> that are very bright and like these like crazy heels, boots. Well, then when they leave Big Shirl's house of bling, they're being pursued by Eugene Levy, and Big Shirl still she's like, "Here, take my son's cab." I'm like, I hate that, that. That's such a lazy stereotype of black people are magic. If it's like Adventures in Babysitting, where it's like the big city is scary, right? No, black people will help you. They're not. They're not that crazy and different. They're crazy and they're different, but it's not that bad. They'll be nice to you if you can be cool like them, right. or if you can like show them that you're cool too. We cool. It's like you mentioned before. It's like the uh, movie was in. We were in such a weird state in the in the early two thousands. That bringing down the house film I mentioned with Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. That whole movie is predicated on black people, white people, hip hop, suburbs. Can, can we get along? Is this a thing? Like, can two cultures so different? find common ground and it's like that this is the early 2000s it's shocking to me 
the yeah. culture was leaning that much on that shitty joke. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's keep breaking down. Uh, we got some more people in here who are just crazy. Andrea Martin is in this movie. Now, you don't you don't recognize her. I do. I you do. do. I don't know what from, but I know the actor. She's a huge Broadway vet. She was in that uh, revival of Pippin with the circus theme concept. And she's amazing in that. She's a great singer and performer. What would I have seen her on TV? Well, right now she's in Difficult People on Hulu. She's playing, uh, that's the Julie Klausner, Billy Eichner series. Right, is that good? It's very good. And you can only watch the first two episodes if you don't have Hulu Plus, which kind of sucks. So I haven't been able to see the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. But she's great. Like, she's she's been, she's like 146 credits on IMDb. It's insane. Wow. But she is in this movie as a senator. She's okay. Like, she kind of gets out of it without getting bumped or scraped or bruised too much. Her character doesn't have a lot to do in the film, so it's ultimately fine. Of course, I said this when we started watching the movie. I said, if there is not a single Full House alum in this movie, I'll be shocked. Right. And who's there, Brandon? Who's in the mix? We do get, oh, man, it's so lazy, too. It's like they did the least amount of work they could to get a Full House cameo in here. So this during one of the mini montages of the girls just kind of running around New York. Oh, they, they, they've left this hotel in a towel and bathrobe, respectively. Yeah, so they've... Oh, we haven't man. even gotten into the whole microchip plot. Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me just do that real quick. Yeah. So beyond the truancy officer's plot, the, the reason why Andy Richter's Chinese family wants the girls is there's this microchip that they're supposed to deliver to Shanghai that has, quote, millions of dollars of pirated music on it, and if they can get it to Shanghai, they can make millions of dollars pirating this music, which makes no fucking sense, even in 2004. Mm -hmm. And the girls wind up with the chip. A dog belonging to Andrea Martin's character eats the chip. That dog never even shat out the chip, by the way. I thought that was going to be a gross sight gag. Right. Nope. Of, like, Andy Richter having to pick through dog shit or something. But, okay, Okay, so they're being pursued because of that reason. And they run out of this hotel. They, they're running through Times Square or some such thing. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? And then uh, we see Bob Saget walk by. In his street clothes that he wore to the set that day. Yeah, in his regular civilian clothes. Green screen. He looks at the girls running by in their towels. He squints as if maybe he recognizes them. And then he squints and again. And then he squints, and then he makes this grossed face like he's disgusted by them. By these two young girls in a yeah. towel and a bathrobe. And then he shakes his head and then walks out of frame. For as long as it took Brandon to describe that moment, that is how long it lasts on screen. It's a, it's a comedic beat that is stretched to its death. Yeah. And Bob Saget should absolutely be ashamed that he decided to take that role. And, and show up for that, because that is just the shittiest sort of pandering I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Um, of course, we've got from the Gilmore Girls, and of course you pointed out too, Supernatural, uh, Jared Padalecki? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah, the guy from Supernatural, He's uh, he was so huge back in, I guess, the early 2000s. Sure, right? of because course, because the Gilmore Girls was enormous. Mm-hmm. He's very cute. I've just started watching that show, which is why it's so weird that he's in this movie. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's very attractive. He's sort of like kind of skinny, sort of bony in this, mm-hmm. and his hair is very... Everyone just looks so turn of the millennium. It's crazy. Like, if you turn on Supernatural now, he still has that haircut. Oh, yeah, he does have long hair, I it's guess. It's like that weird, like, part in the middle. He's just never gotten rid of it. No. Supernatural, good show, by the way. I've only watched a bit of the first season... 
Jensen Eccles has like double the charm that uh, Jared Pilecki. Pilecki but you does. you would never watch ten seasons of that show. I can't believe it's still oh, on I the air. I, I I don't think I could now. Oh woof woof woof. Th- there's just too much to catch up on at that point. Which which love interest does he play? Who does he wind up with? Roxy. He, he winds up with Roxy. He winds up with Roxy. Yeah, because he winds up going with them on tour through London. And see. Don't you get don't you get that too? Because they're the opposite of the girls. Oh, he's yeah. oh, he's the yeah. son of the senator. That's like Andrew Martin is a senator. I don't yeah. know if I mentioned that. He's the son of like Andrew Martin is also on the fellowship figure. committee. Yeah, so he ends up with Roxy, and then the like the local bike messenger from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, uh, I got pay, a BMX bike. Pay, uh, played by some other. WB fuck shitty blonde hair is the is ends up with Jane and he the, oh, so I mentioned it he transfers schools so What's he can name? go to London too I, I it's really gonna bother me that I don't know what he's done I wrote down all of the characters except him because I just did not care he is he's like such a WB butthole too. one one more guy I want to mention in the cast it's we you you recognize him almost immediately and I I did too is H John Benjamin of course of what is it what is that Comedy Central show he had before Bob's Burgers, John Benjamin has a van. van. So I, yeah, I saw. I have that I've seen a few episodes of that. That's yeah. actually good in a weird, surreal way. But of course, he's the voice of Bob on Bob's Burgers. He plays his character is I Heart New York vendor. He's on camera for maybe a flash, and he hands the girls like a, a fucking New York T-shirt. That's again just proof that if you you're in a Mary Kate Ashley Olsen vehicle, just you're fine. Maybe you'll go on to like be in an amazing series that everybody loves. I'm getting so hot, and I cannot believe that you don't have anything in this apartment to drink. I could we'll, kill you. We'll go to Walgreens after this. I could kill you. Um, yeah, this guy, uh, he was just in so much bad stuff. What's his name? You're looking at his resume, but what's his name? Riley Smith. Riley Smith. Is there anything that we would Isn't know like him from? Joan of Arcadia. Oh, brother. And So you're right, like a CW, a WB fuck. Yeah. Or ABC Family. Isn't that Eight-Legged Freaks movie? Uh, okay. We don't. the spiders? That's not a real credit. Not um, oh, this is what I know him from. Motocrossed. Do you remember that? Oh my the god. The Disney Channel original movie? The cross-dressing... Yeah. He's the brother that she, like, pretends to be. What? He played the girl's brother? Isn't... I thought he was the love interest in oh, Motocrossed. Maybe, maybe he's the love interest. I think he's the love interest. Oh, yeah. Oh my this god. That movie was so weird. I remember the scene in that movie where, like, he takes his shirt off and, they, like, he goes into the river in, like, his motocross pants... And he's like, come on in. And I remember thinking, this is so oddly transgressive for a Disney movie to be like, like, there's just these weird gender blurred lines in this. When Andy stepped in an extreme sport or when when Andy stepped in an extreme sport became an extreme adventure. So that tagline has nothing to do with uh, cross-dressing or anything like that. Motocrossed. Motocrossed. For people who thought Mulan needed more bikes. (laughs) That's what motocross is. Brandon, I think we've talked more than enough about this movie. Uh, the budget was $30 million. It made $14 million in the U.S. And an additional Huge flop. seven internationally. So, yeah, even with international money, it flopped. I will say this director, though, Denny Gordon. Who's a lady. Yes, she... Don't have enough lady directors, so... She, uh, she's done a lot more TV stuff for things that I like. She's done, like, um, The Office. She's done, like, White Collar. People love that show. 30 Rock, she did an episode of. But she also did What a Girl Wants, which is that Amanda Bynes movie some of you might know, where she goes, she's like, American Girl in London. I have no idea what that movie's Um, about. 
Like, just look at the poster. Oh, I remember the poster. And you know why I remember the poster? This was a real controversy. This was right after 9-11. So this was a lot of, like... There was a lot of weird controversy about movie marketing and stuff. In the poster, she's giving, like, a peace sign. There was actual controversy over this poster. People were mad that she was giving the peace sign because they thought it was a political overtone. Because we were, like, ramping up to go into Iraq... And that was a real thing. That's we were crazy. insane back then. That's we're crazy. still insane, and we're much worse. But oh dear God! She also almighty. made uh, Joe Dirt. So did she make Joe Dirt too? Now available VOD. No. Or what? No, that's not even VOD. You have to get it through like, like Crackle.com crackle. or yeah. something. Oh my God. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. One of these days we'll be in a movie that's like straight to Vimeo or something, and yep. we'll be promoting it on we'll a podcast yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Catch my video on Vimeo. <laughs> that's you. That was I was being you. <laughs> I'm in character. I'm Brandon. Shock me. Brandon, do you have anything else you'd like to say about this uh, this this movie? Um, you know, it's really made me question whether we should ever do any more Mary, Mary Kate and Ashley stuff. No, I don't want to do their younger stuff. I just don't. Yeah. I former friend, uh, former not former friend of the show. She is a friend of the show. She is not a former, former honorary rude dude. She oh. is an honorary rude dude. Krista Ramsey. She heard we were doing this, and she said, "You shouldn't watch that. You should watch Winning London." I'm like, "No, I'm not watching any of their young young stuff." Winning London, young? Uh, it's probably not too far from New That's York. That's 2001. I, I can't do it. Whoa, check out their outfits in that. I can't. I just, I can't. It's apparently about them going to like some sort of mock UN debate and they Abbey find other Road, people are cheating. Oxford Street. Oh, God. How are they different in that one? Like one of them likes computers and one of them likes books? I don't. When Chloe and Riley Lawrence are invited to London to participate in the international model UN competition, they enjoy seeing the sights and find romance with cute British boys. Who's in that? Well, who plays the cute British oh boys my in God. that? It's the dude from House and Chicago Fire. Ew! His photo on IMDb is hideous. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Jesse Spencer. Oh, gross. And then Bri- Brandon Tyler. Look, look wow. long story short, we might do future supplemental episodes. We thought we would do this for the sake of Labor Day. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn. How Rude is also available through Tumblr. We got the Facebook group. I don't have my notes in front of me or else I'd give you all that. Thank you to the people who've been sending in emails. I believe that's the How Rude Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And again, if you're enjoying the show and you haven't written an iTunes review, what is up? Do it. Please, please. Oh my God, when I get up, my tummy is going to be all sweaty because my tummy's been on the carpet. Oh, cool tummy, tummy. Good. Good Brandon, stuff. do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, nope. I'm on Twitter. At BWE Shock. What? Nothing. Is that it? Yeah. At J O N P E R N I S E K. What? <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.